didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney, and this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, taking a look at every episode of Stranger Things. We have gone through seasons one through four, every single episode, and now we are in the deep, dark hole of waiting for season five. So in the meantime, Colin and I are doing some special episodes where we either look at something like a movie that influenced stranger things or we'll do you know top five lists and this week it's one of our influence episodes and we are talking about the movie jaws from 1975 so colin is going to give you a quick summary we open at a nighttime summer party on the beaches of amity island chrissy decides to go for a skinny dip take a little swim long night swim and jumps in while her oblivious male companion passes out on the beach. She gets pulled under and tossed around by something in the water. The next morning, her mangled body is found and Chief Martin Brody declares she was killed by a shark and wants to close the beaches. Mayor Larry Vaughn, however, keenly aware that it's the 4th of July weekend and boatloads of tourists are on their way, decides a better story would be that she was killed in a boating accident. Later, the shark kills a dog and then young Alex Kittner because no one would listen to the chief. Alex's mom offers $3,000 to anyone who kills the shark. Quint, a local shark hunter, offers to kill it for ten grand. Just then, marine expert Matt Hooper arrives and it's clear to him a shark actually did kill Chrissy. The town gets in on the shark hunting action and a tiger shark is caught, much to Mayor Vaughn's delight. Hooper, though, knows it's not the shark in question. That night, he and Brody cut open the shark to find only some fish, a license plate, and a tin can. No body parts. So they head out to the sea at night, where they find the body of a local fisherman. The mayor is still convinced everyone is safe and keeps the beaches open, just as the hordes of tourists arrive. Sure enough, yet another boater is killed, and Brody's kid sees the whole thing and goes into shock. Vaughn finally agrees to hire Quint to kill the shark, and Quint, Brody, and Hooper set off to find it. When they finally see the shark, Quint fires a harpoon attached to a ballast barrel, but the shark just pulls it under and disappears. That night, the three men swap stories about shark encounters, and Quint tells how he survived sharks when his World War II boat, the USS Indianapolis, was torpedoed. The shark comes back, bangs the boat, and then disappears again. The next morning, they harpoon it and attach two more barrels, which the guys tie to the boat so they could drag it into land. The shark, though, drags them and begins pulling the whole boat under. The engine blows out and the boat starts flooding. Hooper tries going down in the shark cage, but that doesn't work out so well. Up on the surface, the shark jumps onto the stern, causing Quint to slide right into its mouth. He gets chomped and dies, but Brody finally is able to feed the shark a scuba tank and then shoot it, exploding the shark into a million little pieces. Hooper resurfaces and he and Brody swim back to shore. The end of Jaws. The ending gives me major anxiety. Like all of it, or a particular part of it? Just the end, well, the ending. They're like they've just been like just beaten this like gigantic shark, and then they blow it up. So it's basically just like tons of chum in the water. Yeah, and they have to swim. I'm like, <laughs> there's no way they didn't get eaten. Is, isn't <laughs> like, isn't this what you just spent the last you know two days trying, trying to, to avoid? avoid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Jaws came out June twentieth, nineteen seventy five. This is one of those films, and I know it's one of your favorite films, but I remember when I was a kid, I was four when it came out, so I wasn't certainly watching it, but... Oh, well, I was at four. Uh, yeah. I remember at the time, like, having it in my head that this was, like, some 
super scary, horrific, you know, don't watch Jaws. It's like Halloween or Friday the 13th or something, but it's actually kind of a fun movie. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, you know, good humor in it. There's a lot of good characters in it. I mean, Spielberg directed it and it's, you know, it was only his third movie, but we already knew that he was a great director just by watching this. There's some great cinematography in it too. So it's just kind of funny, like growing up thinking it's like this horrific, horrifying movie in there. I mean, there it are, is. I mean, there are moments in it certainly, but it is certainly not up there with, you know, like Halloween or something like that. Oh my God. For me, it is. Like it is legitimately like, the i don't even like to swim and i'm not i'm not exaggerating i don't like to swim in like a swimming pool at night i can't go underwater if it's dark like i just like just the feeling of being i know it's not obviously there's not a shark in a pool with you but it's just the feeling of not knowing if something can be in the water with you and which yeah. is similar like to the demogorgon you never knew when it was around right. it was just yeah. kind of just stalking you and you didn't even know it it's yeah, I guess I, I've always been a fish I was a swimmer from early on so I just love the water and everything about it and I've never really uh, I do too but I just won't yeah. like I'll I like pools I like yeah. to be at the ocean and see it right but I don't want to get in it like yeah. the ocean freaks me out yeah so AFI American Film Institute did their they did the, the whole series of top 10 lists you know but 10 15 years ago something like that and Jaws is on there as number 48 as the number 48 best movie of all time which I think is great it also made uh, number 35 for best quotes for this one you're gonna need a bigger boat it also made number 18 for best villains for the shark or Bruce is kind of what the working <laughs> name of, of the shark was. And then also was named the number six best movie score of all time. Obviously John Williams iconic score. And then among, they call it thrills. So the most thrilling movies of all time, it's number two right behind psycho. So that's really funny. And I know so many, and I, I don't know if you have to be a child of that time to really appreciate or just to have watched it during that time, because I know a lot of my friends in the horror movie club, the podcast that I listen to in their discord. And I talk to those guys all the time. A lot of people in there do not like Jaws and they think it's boring, hmm. Which is, they, they think it's like a really slow burn and it's just not, you know, it's not, it's considered horror. I consider Jaws a horror movie. Right. And it, I know a lot of people debate that from time to time. It's been debated whether or not it's a horror movie. And a lot of those guys in there think it's more of a drama because of Burr and Brody's relationship and then Quint. And I don't know if I would call it horror. I think it's probably more suspense. But as far as like the pacing goes, it's 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 very similar to Full Metal Jacket. And it's like two movies back to back, because, I mean, the first half is all the town and the mayor and the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the you know, hunting the shark and blah, blah, blah. And then the second half is just the three guys on the boat. So, it, I mean, it's an it, there's an interesting structure to it, which is also kind of neat. But, yeah, I mean, I, I remember, like I said at the time, it, it was considered a horror movie. And, and actually, I pulled up the original trailer. I won't play the whole thing like I did with Nightmare on Elm Street because it's like three minutes long, but I'll yeah. uh, I'll include a link to it. But but here's a bit of the trailer so you get a get a sense of it. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, 
and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. So yeah, I mean it, it's you know the <laughs> it's not movie trailer guy, it's not Don LaFontaine, but you know it, it's that you know. I, have I think... you seen? Have you seen the trailer where they recut it to make it seem like a romance or not, like a um? It's like a romantic movie, I think, and they do it like must love Jaws. Oh no! And it's all about Brody trying to save this fish. <laughs> i'll have to look that up it, it i sounds, can find you a link it, it sounds very vaguely familiar it's yeah, very but, very funny but yeah. yeah it's this it's based i've read the book too and i read the book when i was like in elementary school i don't know what brenda was doing letting me do this <laughs> i'm not joking i watched jaws when i was probably three or four i used to be afraid to take a bath like my brother i would take a bath i would be in my mom would put me in the bath and my brother would stand outside of the bathroom and do the theme <laughs> and like I would freak out and run, you know, but it's based on the book by Peter Benchley. But you know that Peter Benchley actually regrets what happened with Jaws because it turned so many people against great white sharks that he actually went on to start a foundation for sea life and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. He was pretty outspoken about it that he he felt bad that you know i mean not that i think great whites are i'm okay not ever meeting a great white like i'm not <laughs> no <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not i'm not going hunting for them certainly so uh yeah so you mentioned it was written by peter benchley who also wrote the novel and also co-written by uh carl gottlieb and we mentioned it was directed by steven spielberg it was his third movie uh the cast uh the three main cast members obviously are roy scheider as brody robert shaw as quint and richard dreyfus as matt hooper it was made on a nine million dollar budget was actually a considerable amount of money back then but it had a seven million dollar opening weekend so the buzz was already out there about it and then went on to make and all of its subsequent re-releases and blah 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 it's made almost 500 million dollars at the box office so pretty pretty significant amount of money for you know a horror movie about a shark when they say the budget that's what they were given to make the movie does that count like you know they had like tons of issues with the mechanical shark yeah. Yeah. Is so it, that that technically should be all told. So that should be the crew salary, the cast salary, the, you know, the editing, the marketing, the, you know, that should be included in the budget. Yeah. So for our younger listeners who don't know, they actually, if you've seen Jaws, you notice that you don't see the shark that much. Like it's very, you just see its fin or, or if you do see it, it's underwater and it's obviously, obviously like a clip of some sort of wildlife video of the shark. But the reason they couldn't show it so much was because they had so many issues with the actual Bruce, with the mechanical shark. Like they, like Spielberg hated it. Like he hated <laughs> that thing. And he, and Roy Scheider hated it too. He didn't even want to come back for the second one, but he did because he worked on a deal or something. He got out of having to do three. I can't remember. I'm full of Jaws trivia. I can yeah. tell you everything about this. Movie. Did you read? I know. I know. Carl Gottlieb wrote a really famous book about it. Have you read his book? He it was. Uh, uh, yeah, it's called the Jaws Log, and it's. I mean, it's. It's. I think I 
have read pieces of it. Yeah, I don't think I mean, I've ever it's sat considered down and read like the a, whole thing. It's considered like a Bible in the in the movie industry is like a, you know, how to make a movie or what goes into making a movie and how to overcome these obstacles and all that kind of stuff. So supposedly really good. I haven't read it, but no, I haven't I don't I think I've read bits and pieces of it, but like I can tell you like, oh my gosh, there's so much trivia just in general about how they like the issues they ran into while making it. Like I know Robert Shaw he and Richard Dreyfus famously did not get along because he drank a lot and he came to work drunk a lot on the set and Shaw did yeah Shaw did yes and I think at one point they almost got into a fist fight and but I do think the whole scene if I'm not incorrect I think the whole scene where he does his speech about like the creepy thing about the um Indianapolis Mm -hmm. and the sharks he was absolutely obliterated when he did that I, I think I remember I remember reading a, a quote from Dreyfus somewhere or something like, you know, the the movie was fun to make on the days that Shaw was yeah. sober and that was like one day. <laughs> and I think that uh I think he, he apologized to him. I know Shaw apologized to someone, to either Spielberg or Dreyfus on the set for okay. his actions and yeah. all that stuff. But he had a major drinking problem and and he had a and I think he had a temper when he got drunk and it's a whole big thing. Yeah. I went back and looked up old, like the original uh, reviews for it. And I found, I found Art Murphy's um, original review in Variety. And I'll post a link to that. And he says, in part, the fast moving 124 minute film engenders enormous suspense as the shark attacks a succession of people. The creature is not even seen for about 82 minutes and a subjective camera technique makes his earlier forays excruciatingly terrifying and all the more for the invisibility. The final hour of the film shifts from the town to a boat where the three stars track the shark and vice versa. The creature is no less menacing when finally seen in a fight to the death, wherein Shaw fulfills his Captain Ahab destiny. So spoiler alert, but (laughs) that's okay. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's great. Like these movies that you would think would come out at the time and be viewed as, you know, cheesy or kind of a B movie or kind of, you know, that kind of thing Mm -mm. got so much respect, you know, and it's, I mean, when I look at Jaws now, I look at, I mean, it's kind of campy, but it's, it's a really, it's a really well put together movie. And I think a lot of that kind of gets lost over time because I mean, it is what, 47 years old now. It's one of those films. I feel like that in a world full of remakes that we have, I mean, I feel like Hollywood cannot come up with any new ideas. I mean, they remake everything. I, and I am not even against most remakes for the most part, but I genuinely do not think that they can remake Jaws. I don't think that it. Yeah. I, I would be done. So. I, I, because I don't think you would be able to capture the same amount of fear if they did cgi like the reason it was so scary is because you never saw the shark you didn't really see it right and i just don't think they could ever capture that again i think a lot of it too has to do with the setting and being in the mid 70s and and i think there's kind of a like a it's like a time capsule you know yeah it'll always be set at that time and and if you made it in modern day, you'd have all kinds of sonar technology and people on cell phones and I'm saying you know, that, all that kind of stuff. But I agree with you. And I'm just, yeah, I mean, I hope to God they never remake it. No, I don't want them to ever touch it. And I don't, 
I'm saying even if they redid it and they set it in the 70s, it's still there. It just wouldn't be. Oh, no. Yeah, that'd be silly. So and it's got it's got a 97 percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's 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 still very well respected. And I mean, it is it's it's widely viewed as one of the best out there and Mm -hmm. and and one of Spielberg's best. And he's done a lot of great movies. So, okay, so let's talk about Stranger Things and how it ties in. Matt and Ross have said a lot about Jaws over the years. But just as a as a general overview, this is Matt talking about how Jaws influenced Stranger Things at, at, at just the basic level. When we have to name a favorite film, we usually lean on Jaws because I think it does to us everything that we love love about cinema. It has great characters, comedy, spectacle. It's about a chief of, chief of police small and, town. in a small town where something out of the ordinary happens. So we will we will get into some of those, you know, the police chief in the small town things, because we have our top five list on how Jaws influenced Stranger Things. And I'll start with number five. And I think the you know, one of the obvious ones is the setting, because we have talked a lot about how the Duffers originally had Stranger Things. It was called Montauk and it was set on Long Island. And that's directly because of Jaws. And Mm -hmm. There was uh, an article in The Hollywood Reporter, and the interviewer was asking the Duffers and said, you know, Stranger Things was originally sold as Montauk with that as the location. What was the thought process of changing it to Middle America? And Matt said, it was more practical than anything. We liked Montauk because we liked the coastal setting, and Montauk was the basis for Amity, and Jaws is probably our favorite movie. So I thought that that would be really cool then it was really going to be impossible to shoot in and around Long Island in the wintertime. It was just going to be miserable and expensive. We're actually from North Carolina. So when we wound up in Atlanta and I started scouting Atlanta, we got excited about it because it looked so much like our own childhoods. So yeah, I mean, they originally had this set kind of on a Long Island beach and modeling, you know, after Amity. I cannot imagine Stranger Things being set anywhere else than like middle America. I, know, I, can't, right? I feel like it would be a totally different show. I think that's one of those happy accidents. It was born by necessity, but I think mm-hmm. it it really, really, really made a difference. I think, yeah, yeah. So number four in our list, I've got Bob's death, Bob Newby in season two. It was inspired by the death of Quint, played by Robert Shaw. And if you haven't seen Jaws, I'm going to tell you, he <laughs> dies a terrible death, just like Bob <laughs> Newby. <laughs> yeah, he's lot. It's like the most agonizingly slow death too like yeah he literally yeah. slides into the shark's mouth yeah and like, can't, he can't, can't go anywhere can't do anything he's no he's screwed yeah no so this is what the duffers have said about quinn's death inspiring bob's death so he said sean is the one sean aston is the one who talked a lot about quint from jaws like if i'm gonna die and he didn't want to die which we know bob newby or sean aston did not want to die he wanted to stay on the show he said let's shoot the hell out of it and let's not shy away from it and then Ross added, for Stranger Things, the show, it's a pretty brutal death. And that's the result of Sean wanting us to not hide from it, to actually show it. And we've talked about this before, where they kind of really linger on the shot of those tiny little teeth just eating away yeah. <laughs> at Bob Newby's chest. And I know we, t- we talked at the time, too, how they actually you know, had shot a little bit more and they cut it out because it was yeah. so it was supposed to be gorier time. than it was. Yeah. Uh, anyways, and then Aston added, 
but I was pushing for Matt and Ross to pick the goriest version. I kept wanting more blood. I was thinking of the original Jaws when Quint slides into the mouth of the shark and his head and torso are fine, but his legs are gone. There was this one moment where I spit out all this blood and my vote was, that's not too much. Use the hats. The whole show is pregnant with anticipation for that kind of scene. But poor Bob, he was so nice. All he ever did was love Joyce and care about her. And it's so unfair that he has to have this terrible fate. And that is very, very true. He did not deserve. Yeah, I mean, it's going to, and I, I hadn't really thought of it when I was watching it, but it's one of those, you know, with the duffers pointed out, they're like, oh yeah, that's that's kind of obvious what they were going for, you know. With Jaws? Yeah, with, with Jaws, you know, I, Bob's <laughs> death, Modeling Quinn's death, yeah. I mean, I definitely the blood coming out of the mouth, but I don't, I know he says that Quint's legs are gone, but you don't really see that. No, I think you can assume it though. <laughs> it's, it's, it's... I never understand how a shark can eat somebody that way. Like, does it just swallow the legs whole? Yeah. Well, it was, it was kind of funny when, when Brody and Hooper are cutting open the shark and they pull, they pull out like a whole fish. <laughs> it wasn't. Well, even, yeah. Cause uh... there's another scene in Jaws where his oldest son is over in the, what do they call it? The Bay estuary. The estuary, okay. And he goes over there and there's another guy, they're trying to sail and there's another boater and he, the shark comes and tips him out of the, out of his boat and he eats him, but then you just see one single lone leg pole with a tennis shoe still on float directly to the bottom. And I'm like, did he spit it back out? Did the shark like... I I took it, I took it as he ate everything but that leg so he could chomp down. (laughs) And the leg was, you know, like the Rancor monster. Yeah. Of the Jedi. <laughs> and so the leg is what was left. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I always wondered that anyways. Yeah. Not relevant, but yes. Okay. So number three, uh, one of the more obvious ones, and that is the mayor of Hawkins is Larry Klein, as opposed to the mayor of Amity, which was Larry Vaughn. And again, Ross spoke about this in, in an interview. You know, we've been wanting a Larry, Larry Vaughn is the mayor in Jaws, and we've been wanting a Larry Vaughn character every year, and we've never just had room, and we finally had room this year for it. So Carrie Ellis, who's just incredible, has come in and sort of taken on this part of mayor that's very much inspired by that, where it's someone who is much more concerned about his doing well for himself than he is necessarily about the well-being of the town. Yeah, I love, I think Carrie Ellis was so great in this part. And this is one that I picked up on immediately, unlike the, you know, the Quint Newby, Quint Bob Newby connection. But yeah, this was, you know, kind of the slimy mayor. They have kind of the same very colorful, very out of place wardrobe for this, you know, little town. Then you also obviously have the scene with the upset townspeople and the, you know, the picketing and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. So it all kind of ties in. But what were your thoughts when you first saw was pop up on screen oh i knew yeah. i knew exactly who he was um who he was modeled after just because that the mayor from jaws is like he's like a meme at this point have you seen the meme that oh, he's says just iconic yeah well the, there's a meme that it, it always pops up around election season and it's like the mayor from jaws is still the mayor in jaws too and this is why it's important to vote in your election <laughs> like, because that guy let a lot of people die yeah yeah so That's yeah, right. it was uh but it's actually, you know, it's not the first time they have used the mayor from Jaws in an in like to model something. He's actually the mayor in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh right, is yep. directly inspired. He even has on the same tie yep. as the mayor from Jaws. And I think it's uh voiced by Bruce Campbell from Evil Dead. But yep. yeah, it's it's really obvious that that's it's this mayor who's just in it for the money and for the votes and does not care 
what happens to the actual people in the town. Right, right. So number two, obviously, the monster, the Demogorgon, is very much based on Bruce, the shark, the monster in Jaws. And we have a clip of Matt Duffer talking about that. Whenever we were talking about the Demogorgon in season one, he was very much influenced by the shark in Jaws because... um, we wanted it to be a shark-like creature, except instead of coming out from under the water, he was coming out from another dimension. So that was, he would break through the surface of that dimension, reach into ours, grab a victim, like Barb, for instance, and pull that victim back into his world. So instead of the underwater, it's um, the upside down. Yeah, so they've talked about how, they've been very vocal about how, you know, the mon- like the shark in Jaws was very much an inspiration for the Demogorgon because you never really see it. He's always stalking around. And I know that they said in one interview with um, Entertainment Weekly that the shark from Jaws was more of an inspiration. Think of the Demogorgon more as the shark from Jaws than Pennywise the clown from It. You know, because at first you might think that the Demogorgon has like a specific, his eyes on certain people to take, but really it's just whatever he can get. Right. Yeah, I know in that article they were saying each each time it enters the world, it leaves a small tear or a wound. And that's what Joyce found in her wall in Mm -hmm. episode episode four of season one. And then Nancy found it in the tree in episode five. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of these things where the the monster is is, you know, kind of creepy and menacing. It's not like this, you know, like a Godzilla monster that's Mm -hmm. terrorizing everything. It's more of a, you know, kind of a quiet killer and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, and then I we've got an we've got um a quote from Mark Steger who was did he play the Demogorgon in all the seasons? Yeah, he yes. was he was he was the monster in all of season one. Yeah, and he said in this interview, he said part of it was also how it was shot. You don't see too much of the monster for a good bit of the series, and that was how they shot it in Jaws. You could just see a little glimpse of it, and I think that's what really works in the series. But you're forgetting, Mark, that they didn't mean, they didn't want to make it like that in Jaws. They wanted to show the audience more of the monster. Right. <laughs> yeah, Bruce another, just was not cooperating. cooperating. Yeah. <laughs> another one of these happy accidents. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, I they think, had I think... actually like, a lot of issues like with, with Bruce and then, you know, the, again, me and my Jaws trivia, you know, when Chrissy's screaming at the beginning. Yeah. She's actually hurt. Oh, really? So, Yes, that is a real screams. So they had two or three, like, I guess two. So two, like, tethers to her, and someone would pull one way, then they'd pull her the other way. And she never knew when she was going to go down under the water. So, but what happened was at one point, they accidentally pulled at the same time and it hurt her back. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. And so when she's now, I've, I've read that in like an article. I can't remember the source. But they said that that's what happened. So watch it not be true. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like it was from like, it seemed like it was like 25 things you didn't know about Jaws and it was sourced. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So there were a couple other little bonus things taken for what you will. They may have been, you know, references. They may not have been obviously having Chrissy be the first victim mirrors Chrissy in season four of Stranger Things. I also caught and I didn't actually catch it until I'd watched it after watching Stranger Things 4, that she has kind of a blue jacket on. It's the same color as Max's jacket. It's not the same jacket, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's one of those kind of things. They had the reward poster, like, you know, um, for Eddie, they wanted the reward, you know, for the shark. And then, um, obviously, Will had the Jaws poster in his room in season two. 
Uh, I think it first pops up in episode five of season two, I think. And then he obviously takes it with him to California because it's hanging in as well in California. You see it in the scene right before the um, shootout in Dear Billy. And then one other little extra thing, and this was kind of fun, all the promo posters that they did early on for Jaws, uh, for uh, Stranger Things, and they kind of mirrored them after established movies that are already out there. So they did one kind of in the style of Goonies. They did one in the style of Jaws. They did one in the style of Nightmare on Elm Street. So it was a poster for Stranger Things, but they made it look like kind of the Jaws poster. I'll post links to them. They're, they're, I don't think they're... I've seen it. Oh yeah, they're pretty cool. Here, I'll show, I'll show you a picture of it. So this is, and I'll post a link so you guys can see what we're talking about. So this is the Jaws one. So it kind of makes it look like a Jaws poster, but let me, so here's the one they did for Goonies. To make it kind of look like a like a Goonies one, and they did one yeah. for Nightmare on Elm Street, and these were all these were all original posters. Yeah, they were they were actually I mean like real like canon posters, official. Yeah, official posters. Yep. Well, that's wild. I've yeah. literally never seen any of those. I've yeah. seen the one of the Goonies where they're hanging on, but that looked fake. I always thought. Yeah, I think I think that was yep. And then one other thing we should mention, and that is uh, we just heard I think that was back in July, I believe that the Duffers had formed their own company mm-hmm. and they were going to call it upside down pictures. And there was an interview at the time and um, an article up, I'll, I'll post a link to this too. Uh, I found it on E online, I think. And it said orphan black producer, Hillary Levitt will run upside down pictures with the help of the Duffers who wrote in a statement. It didn't take long into our first meeting with Hillary, where we bonded over films like jaws home alone and speed to know that we had found a kindred spirit. Hillary's passion for storytelling is perhaps matched by, matched only by her passion for the storytellers themselves for whom she is fiercely protective. So yeah, Jaws just keeps coming up with the duffers. So I think that was, that was kind of cool. <laughs> well, they love it. It's their favorite yeah. movie. And number one is obvious. I feel like if you guys watch Stranger Things and you know Jaws, then you know that it's Hopper. Like everything about it yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. is Chief Brody. Yeah, I mean, aside from, I mean, I think it's kind of fun that Dreyfus's character is named Hooper, mm-hmm. and, and whenever I'm typing, I always, oh yeah, <laughs> I always typo and, and hit Hooper instead of Hopper. But yeah, so the truck that Brody drives, you see it at the beginning, is the same. That's also scene. an ET, though, too, isn't it? Yep, yep, it's the same Chevy truck. Now um, Brody's is the is the convertible version, and Hopper's is you know the the full cab version. But it's got the same painting, the same font, the same mm-hmm. look to it. The uniform is the same with the same triangle patch on the sleeve. He also has the, you know, the trusty deputy who can't take the sight of blood and is, you know, really creeped out when he sees Chrissy's body on the beach. So that reminded mm-hmm. me, obviously, of Callahan. And then also the fact that Hopper left the big city to come to Hawkins and Brody actually left New York City, as you remember. I'm telling you, the crime rate in New York will kill you. There's so many problems, you never feel like you're accomplishing anything. Violence, rip-offs, muggings, kids can't leave the house, you gotta walk them to school. But in Amity, one man can make a difference. In 25 years, there's never been a shooting or a murder in this town. And then Hopper, obviously, talks about his big city experience all the time. Uh, This is actually episode one of season one when he's talking to Joyce. Joyce, this is Hawkins. Okay, none of the worst thing that's ever happened here in the four years I've been working here. Doing the worst thing it was when an owl attacked Eleanor Gillespie's head because it thought that her hair was a nest. And then in the next episode, episode two of season one, when he's talking to Sandra, uh, his one night stand that he's out on the porch with when she's freezing. You ever feel cursed? 
You know, the last person to go missing here was in uh, the summer of 23. Last suicide was a fall of 61. So, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, Hopper or Brody connections. They're, you know, they both, the first time we see them, they're struggling to wake up. They both smoke. Mm-hmm. And then oh, they I, smoke like freight trains. Yeah, exactly. I uh, feel like he lays it off, though, by the, doesn't yeah, Hopper? Yeah. yeah kinda, was, don't they cut back on it? Yeah, and they do with Brody too. Yep, and then also the uh, the typing scene at the beginning. When oh, that's Brody, dead on. When Brody is typing in "shark attack," it's almost a shot for shot recreation of when Hopper is filing his police report and he types it. Missing. And then Ross actually said, uh, in reference to that, there's little stuff like when Hopper types in "missing" on the police report. That frame is pretty identical to the frame when Brody types in "shark attack" in Jaws. There's little stuff like that, but we try not to be too acute about it. We do it every once in a while because we couldn't help ourselves. So, and then obviously the 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 tragic backstories we get of you know Quint with the Indianapolis, uh-huh. and then Hopper's Agent Orange thing, and Sarah's death, and then finally the one that everybody keys in on, and that is the the famous quote. This is Brody's quote from Jaws. I can do anything. I'm the chief of police. And this is Hopper's quote from Stranger Things. I can do anything I want. I'm the chief of police. So there you have it. That's that's how we think Jaws ties in very nicely and has in, influenced quite a bit of Stranger Things. If we missed anything, if there's anything you have, obviously email us. Yeah, we want to hear it. And speaking of emails. Oh, is it email time? It's email my time. Fa- my favorite time of the show. I wish we had like a little ditty. Here we go. I'll, I'll make us a little jingle for emails. So the first email is from Matt. He says, hello, Whitney, you have mentioned it again, and I have gone back to rewatch the scene. And this is talking about swimming in Indiana in November. Matt says, if you look carefully, you can see the steam coming up from the swimming pool at Steve's house. This is a heated in-ground pool, which makes sense as Steve is a rich kid. But yes, it's a thing. You would you would, you would, would swim. But it's just, oh my Lord. It just uh, but here's the thing. I know people that have heated pools. My best friend has a heated pool right down the street. You still don't go swimming in November in Kentucky, even if it's heated. Like you just don't. Like you wouldn't be. Like you would need like the the heat of like a hot tub to go swimming. Yeah, especially and, at night. <laughs> yeah. So Matt, I have thought about this. That is also what I've thought, but I've also thought about it so much that I've talked myself out of that being the case. So <laughs> I do not think that that's what it is. <laughs> okay. Um. Our next email is from. Evelyn, which that's my daughter's name, so I love it. And she says, hello, I'm a recent fan of the podcast and I love it. I just finished Stranger Things a week ago and loved it. Who's your favorite character duo from the show? Mine is Stephen Dustin, hoping to hear back from you soon. I don't know, maybe Stephen Robin? Yeah, I think I was kind of leaning. This would would be a good top five episode we can do sometime in the future. So I think I was Stephen Robin, but the only issue with that is we only get them for the past two seasons. They're, they were obviously Robin didn't come along. Yeah. Until season three. So I do like Joyce and Hopper though. And I also like Joyce. I know and that Murray. was going to be my Joyce and I... Murray. I think are a good pair too. Yeah. I like Joyce and Hopper. I don't know. That's hard, Evelyn. I, and I also love Justin and Steve together. Yeah. So I don't know. I might have to go by season by season. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, we'll keep that in mind. We'll do it. We'll do an episode on that coming up. So yeah. Next email is from Lila. Hello. I love your podcast. Please say hi. 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 Hi, Hi, Lila. Lila. (laughs) 
There's a little girl on Evie's cheer team whose name is Lila, and her mom. They're the sweetest people. I love them, but they always she they have a real thick Southern accent, and she'll be like Lila Grace, Lila, <laughs> Lila. Uh, next email is from Finn. Says hi, my name is Finn, and I'm 12 years old. I love your podcast so much. When I started listening, I was on season two, and you were just wrapping up season four. I always wanted to write in an email. And I had an idea for an episode where you go through theories and see how likely they are to happen in season five. Also a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, one, de- one detail I found in Family Video was the three candy buckets and jars. And one of them was uh, the double bubble original flavor bubble gum with the bright yellow blue wrapper. I noticed it because it's my favorite. And every Halloween, I would hope I would get a lot of it. And I just recently got a big tub of it. So good for you, Finn. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And they said, also in Susie's room, I found a figment plushie that you can see right above Argyle's leg. Good observation. And I also know you just did the top five needle drops, but I wanted to share mine. So mine are number five, American Pie. Number four, one that nobody mentioned, and I didn't even mention in the snubs, and that was um, Detroit Rock City by Kiss, which was playing during the basketball game in season four. Number three, Material Girl. Number two, Separate Ways. And number one, Master of Puppets. Thank you, Finn. And he says, thank you for making the best podcast ever. From your lips to God ears, Finn. Finn. Thank you. Yes. Uh, also, big fan of uh, bubblegum, the original flavor. Double bubble. Yeah. Uh, we got a tweet from Shandy. Said, stumbled on your podcast and have been listening to the old episodes with my son. Oh, yes. Oh, TV tag was a real thing. <laughs> I think I, I don't think that's how they were. They, you you kind of drifted off there. You kind of. Sorry. You kind of mumbled. Oh, that. yes. TV tag was a real thing. <laughs> Suburban Philadelphia kid here born in 1975. It was my favorite game and I have vivid memories playing in my backyard. Well, just I guess we just weren't cool here because we did not have that. Thank you, Shandy. Love you. <laughs> Then we also had a tweet following up on the tweet we mentioned last week, and this was the photo of Willow riding the Demogorgon. So we got a follow-up tweet from Your Highnessness saying, thanks for the shout-out. It has inspired Willow to keep writing her story. And that also mentioned artwork. Uh, The artwork was done by Fraser Giesen. I don't think we mentioned that last time, but F-R-A-S-E-R-G-E-E-S-I-N. And he does commissions. So keep an eye out for that and look him up if you're interested. Yeah. And our last email comes from Ellie. And she says, hey, Colin Whitney, it's Ellie from Greece again. I just would like to inform you that Harriet is not your only 12-year-old listener who lives quite far away from the USA. I, too, am 12. I love her emails as well. And to Harriet, I would love to be your friend. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Love from Greece. Ellie, I am so excited that you pointed it out. I do not have favorites on this show. Harriet just stuck out to me because she was 12. And now it seems like we're gathering a whole, you know, a whole little group of, of younger listeners, which I love. Yeah. So yes, yeah. And, uh, and Ellie, we'll, uh, we'll get in touch with Harriet and see, and if, see if she wants to you be, know, you know, email yeah. buddies or whatever. So yeah, we're going to make a, like a lifelong pen pal connection out of this. Oh so. my gosh. And then you can say that you met because of Scoops Ahoy. That's it's right. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Allie, for your email. You are just as important as Harriet. Okay, okay, so I think that wraps it up for this week. We're going to come back in two weeks. So that should be October 20th, I believe. And we'll go back to the top five episodes that we're due. And for this one, we're going to do our top five Stranger Things one-liners. So they're like funny ones. Yeah, so find your favorite quote from Stranger Things and have it be a more funny or 
you know, more lighthearted quote, because we'll do another episode later, kind of, you know, the best quotes or the best yes. you know, overall Yeah, these things. are just so, like quips or just little quick things that made you laugh. So yeah, like Dustin's little night swim, you know, that kind of, yes. that kind of thing. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. so yeah, certainly get those to us. And if you could get those to us by noon on October 18th. So mark that in your calendar. So you don't forget. And we'll send out an email or a, a reminder on our socials um, a couple of days ahead of time, just to remind you, but certainly email us your top five stranger things, one-liners or funny quotes. Yes. As always, you can find us on social media at Scoops Hoy Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And we would love it if you left us a review on iTunes, because once you do that, it helps us get in front of other potential listeners like yourself. You can email us too at scoopshoypod at gmail.com if you want to give us your thoughts on whatever we're talking about or just to say hi. And we will try to read your email in an episode. So I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.